Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. I would like to welcome back to the podcast, Kakarioba, my colleague from Kenya. He was on the podcast earlier. And Kaka, it's great to have you back again to talk about a new topic today. We're going to look at the topic of corruption. It's something that Kaka and I have talked a lot about together, and I thought it'd make for a good podcast. So Kaka, uh, welcome back. Can you just remind people a little bit about yourself, where you're ministering? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> my name is Reverend uh, Jared Bosire, or they also call me Kaka. Uh, I am a minister with the Baptist Church in Nairobi, and I also work uh, with the Resonate Global Mission as a Timothy Leadership Training Coordinator for Kenya. Thank you. Great. So let's uh, get into this topic of corruption. It's one of the great evils of society in many places, and it's something that we tackle a lot here uh, in East Africa. Maybe we can get into the topic by you giving us some examples of corruption that you see in Kenya, uh, maybe in the community and the government. And then you can also share how you see it in churches and organizations. Okay. Um, having uh, lived in Kenya for 50 years, uh, uh, one of the things that I can uh, really uh, point at is um, uh, a runaway, runaway cor corruption in uh, several areas within our country, especially government. Number one, uh, it is it has been illegal. Politicians, especially people in the legislature or people in the in the executive, to do business with government, uh, but it has been uh, the norm. Uh, they are doing business with government. Uh, they are taking up government tenders for projects, for supplies, and they're inflating prices to almost uh, sometimes even up to three, four hundred percent of the initial cost to make money. And uh, this one is necessitated because of people who are close, they, they have a, a close pro proximity to power where uh, they share the spoils of the corruption proceeds. So this is one of the areas that I have seen that is continuing to grow in our country. And the other uh, area of corruption I am seeing is a area of tribalism and nepotism, where government resources are only uh, shared with communities that are in power. And communities maybe that did not vote or had a different voice during elections are normally left out, and they're, all of them are taxpayers their taxpayers in the country. So they also, uh, to couple up with tribalism, there's also nepotism, that people who are in uh, positions only offer jobs and resources to their own relatives. So sometimes you can go to a government office and you discover like a, a quarter of the people working in that, in a particular department are from one village. So uh, that is to the exclusion of um, uh, other people. And I think it is also uh, corrupt. The other area is also in the lack of meritocracy in, in government, uh, where people are not uh, given positions of service based on competence, competence but they are given uh, depending on how they align with the political system. So that is also a form of corruption. I've seen even in our just concluded elections, we are seeing a lot of that happening already. People who are very effective in positions that uh, they were in the last regime have been removed, all of them. And now people who are loyal to, to the regime are being put in positions that are not even qualified for. And I think that is, to me, that is also corruption. And then there is also, uh, when the uh, resources are devolved, we have what we call the devolved governments. Uh, when, um, when money has been sent down to the counties, or to the wards uh, for the like the constituency development fund, that money is normally embezzled. Only maybe ten percent of that is 
to the people that uh, they're supposed to receive. Uh, that money is misappropriated, embezzled, and ends up in the pockets of a few people. This money is sometimes meant for uh, for bursaries for the needy children to go to school. And some, some of those children never even ever get to school because of that. Uh, the other thing is uh, we see uh, corruption in the way they handle uh, government hospitals through the NHIF, uh, the National Insurance Fund. Uh, one of the things that you see in medicine never gets to the hospitals. The government is always procuring medicines from international companies for government hospitals, but that uh, that medicine is al always ends up in private uh, pharmacies. They are sold. You go to the hospital. Uh, when you are given a prescription, they tell you, we don't have this drug here. Uh, please, can you go to uh, to Kemi, a pharmacy down the road? They have this. But actually, it's the doctors in collision with those people that are transferring the medicine from hospitals to private pharmacies. And then you always send there uh, to do that. The other thing is um, corruption is when people use money during elections to rig elections. Um, this, to me, is also very serious corruption where even churches have been involved in uh, trying, uh, they've been given to be able to uh, members to vote in a particular way. Uh, and that one, I also count it as corruption. We even when it comes like uh, recently, we have had uh, farmers in our country complaining that the especially the rice and maize farmers, uh, they have a bounty harvest, but the government is import importing GMO maize. Uh, I don't know from what country, and the farmers are complaining. Why are we not, uh, why are, is the government not buying our maize, uh, which is better, and they're importing maize, and they tell the farmer that there's no money for so Because when they import the maize, the sugar, uh, cooking oil, and all these other things, they, they, they don't pay taxes, but they sell, uh, the maize at market price and actually because the government is buying from the importers uh, they will get top dollar uh, for their importations at the expense of the farmers that is uh, just a, a, a one of the things maybe the last thing i would like to talk about corruption in the country i, I think uh, the imf and the world bank are also abetting corruption especially in african countries because they give loans and grants to governments and they do not ask for accountability. Even when they do not receive accountability, they report that that money has uh, misappropriated. Uh, one of the things that they always do, they will always give them another loan. So I think that is also a way of abating corruption, which I know in the West, it cannot happen. Leaders will always be uh, put to account uh, for any resources that are placed in their, in their hands. And if any uh, misappropriation has happened, the full force of the law is normally uh, upon them. Uh, and maybe the other thing I would like to talk about is uh, corruption within the church. Uh, I think I've already mentioned one church is being used by politicians uh, for, their, uh, for their selfish ends, where the church is supposed to be the voice of reason, where the church is supposed to be the one that is, should be checking uh, the state, uh, but now the state is the one that is uh, dictating uh, to the church because the church is in bed with the politicians and uh, some of the top leaders in our African churches uh, receive a lot of uh, money from politicians so they are not able uh, they are not able to check the state the other thing also the thing I don't know but in Kenya there is a lot of nepotism in our churches Again, you will go to a particular church if the pastor is of a particular tribe that all the deacons, the elders, uh, you discover even the, the staff uh, who are working within the church will be of that particular tribe. Uh, and I think that is where nepotism and tribalism also come in in church. And then there is also corruption where churches collect a lot of money, but when they employ staff, they pay them very low, even against the government policies of enumeration. Uh, they do not remit um, uh, pay as you want, remit taxes to government, uh, and they, they are always uh, misappropriating funds. You get like, um, like for example, the African initiative, and the, the pastor and the wife are the CEOs of the church. Uh, there is no accountability on how money is spent. You will see the church suffering. 
but the, them they are growing driving in big cars living in big homes but the churches are in in in, in iron sheets uh, uh, made of iron sheets and pieces of wood uh, and sometimes uh, they are on rental premises but they are doing very well i think in the church that is one of the corruptions that i've seen if uh, in the question i can see also looking at uh, issues of organizations whether they are christian uh, whether they are, are secular uh, like but let me talk about christian organizations again uh, there is a issue of a proper enumeration proper um, uh, treatment of uh, of employees uh, there is also poor disclosure of a uh, of resources how they are being managed and all those kind of things i think this is something that uh, is informing a corruption within a country because if christian organizations cannot be able to be transparent and accountable then we do not expect them to check the state on on, on the statute so um, the other corruption that i see in churches is uh, people or pastors would use uh, um, uh, fact up uh, ideas uh, to get money from people like selling uh, oil uh, anointing oil selling them handkerchiefs selling uh, saying they anointed brooms and stones and salt and water uh, i think those are also part of corruption uh, the, the law calls it obtaining goods by false pretense that once you buy the oil or the water uh, brooms you'll be able to blessed by god and i think uh, that is also a form of corruption within the church i think for now that's what i i can be able to say about uh, corruption in the country and in the church yeah, yeah those are some de depressing examples uh let me try to go a little deeper though um i've heard from some people that uh sometimes to become ordained or to become yeah to become ordained uh, in the church as a reverend or a priest, or to become a, a bishop, or some other kind of church leader, that sometimes money will be given to other leaders to make that happen, or even like uh, to become president of a denomination, whatever the title might be. How common? How common do you think such things are in Kenya and East Africa? Uh, I think, uh, to be really very frank, those things really happen. Actually, ordinations are a, a carrot and stick affair. Uh, you will only be ordained uh, depending on how much money you can give to the to those people who should be ordaining you and how loyal you are. And um, in in the African context, whether it is political or religious, the definition of loyalty is very different from the definition of loyalty in the in, in the dictionary. Uh, because uh, loyalty is about uh, accepting anything, whether it is right or wrong. Uh, so that if you are not, they consider you not loyal or you are not able to lick uh, people's boots and uh, you do not just say yes. When, when you're not saying yes to everything, then they can withhold uh, positions uh, from you. I can give my own example. I worked as a pastor in uh, in one of twenty twelve. Uh, was never ever ordained in that church because uh, in our pastoral department, I always had a different opinion about some issues. Uh, some things were outrightly wrong. I would not support, and I would make it very clear that this one, uh, this is not right, and all that. So other pastors ordained, and uh, I was never ordained. Uh, uh, again, when it comes to enumeration, uh, I had a master's degree, but the person. Uh, my other colleagues who did not, one of them, diploma in carpentry or something, um, was earning like four times uh, what I was earning. And they even had a traveling allowance, they had a house allowance, and those kind of things, uh, which things that I was not able to enjoy myself. So I, I think uh, corruption within the church is also uh, endemic. Uh, I had to get my ordination from an international, uh, an international church. It's only now, actually this year, that I'm working on my Kenyan ordination. It should be coming anytime now. Yeah. yeah thank you for sharing about that. Now, going back to the, the organizations, 
uh, imagine that some people listening from North America are, are thinking about, okay, we're sending money to these organizations. And now we're hearing that in this podcast, we're hearing that many times there's corruption taking place and they might be thinking, but we receive accountability reports, how the money is spent on the different projects. And we have yearly audits so there must not be any corruption. Do you think that's the case, or do you think that there could still be corruption going on even with such reports and, and audits? I, I think um, from uh, my own observation, uh, having worked as an administrator in a big patch, one of the things I have realized, people can send you accountability reports, but uh, it is the onus of the person giving the money you can even do a spot check, an impromptu check, to see whether uh, that money is used well. I can give an example of a bishop I know in Kenya uh, who was receiving a lot of uh, uh, support from an American church that uh, he's, uh, he told them that he has started a child, uh, an orphanage where he's helping children, paying school fees and all that. So he would receive money. He would send photos of the buildings of the children, uh, but then he didn't even have an orphanage. He would go to a friend's orphanage, take photos of orphanage uh, that I, I have built, I am building, I'm building this, I'm doing that. So one day, one of the people who are donating uh, decided, because they'd had rumors that uh, the man has nothing uh, going on the ground, and he was receiving millions of shillings uh, for, for the orphanage. Uh, so one one time, one of the one of the donors had um, some rumors, and he decided to just come. So he told him that he should be is coming. He, he was told, no, don't come on this particular day. I will not be in the country. I'll be uh, in another country. So this man decided because there is a Google Maps and everything. Uh, he did uh, Google. Just came without telling this man. He arrived at the orphanage where he had been sending at the name of the orphanage there. The staff told him, we don't know this man. So when he called, he said, where are you? He said, uh, he said uh, I'm, 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 I can't remember the country, he said this. So when, when the man told him that I am actually at the orphanage, uh, he got shocked. He had to drive down to that place, Naivasha from Nairobi. So he had to drive down there on the gate. He started apologizing and all that. So there's, there's uh, sometimes uh, you, reports can be fabricated. That's one thing I know. Sometimes it's, it's important to be able to just come down to the ground and see whether the work is being done, uh, whether the reports uh, uh, are going uh, are in tandem uh, with, the, with the work on the ground and, the, uh, you know, uh, looking at the, uh, the the expenses and all that. Sometimes it, I think it's good to talk uh, who work within that organization that you are supporting to be able to know. Maybe in uh, in uh, in Africa we have one problem: people are afraid of uh, reporting corruption. Number one, getting a job in is very hard. So once you have a job, you want to keep it. So you 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 decide to keep silent, even if in the face of, uh, so that you don't lose your job. Maybe you have a family, you have bills to pay, children in school. So people sometimes keep quiet, even when they ask questions, they don't want to answer because they are afraid if they if it, it comes out the one uh, who who mentioned uh, to the donors, then your job uh, will be on the line. So those are some of the things. Is they need to put in very strict uh, ways of observation, uh, ways of uh, getting accountability. Reports can always be fabricated, and there are people who are very good at fabricating reports. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I wanted to try to get a realistic picture of the, or realistic big picture. I know we don't mm -hmm. know for sure, and you just have to guess, but if you look at uh, humanitarian organizations and Christian organizations, mission organizations, in Kenya, uh, out of a mm hundred -hmm. organizations, how many of them would you guess have some kind of corruption going on in them? Like how many out of a hundred? Just a guess. Um, because uh, you know, corruption is uh, has become like an embedded uh, 
uh, item in our culture. I think anybody who is given a position or will always find ways uh, of uh, putting, lining their pockets with some of the dollars. And, and, and I say, as I said, that will be on the issues of procurement, um, on the issues of employment. Uh, they will employ people. They can even write you a report that you're giving this person this many dollars, uh, but they will give them less. You know, this other person may, may not know uh, the report that has been put on the other side. And then there's a, I've seen a lot of things on issues when it comes to, uh, when there's a lot of money, uh, people do a lot of treats and uh, they, they have a lot of uh, what we call uh, allowances for retreats and uh, they go to big hotels, they spend discuss things. They just want to spend the money. So the amount of money that ends up in the project sometimes is uh, less than half of what lines up people's pockets. I, I think most organizations, there will be that kind of a tendency, but where there are tight, uh, there, there are tight uh, accountability uh, terms that have been placed, uh, some organizations will do, but I think most of the organizations, there will be some forms of corruption. But some yeah. of it is very veiled. Yeah, it's it's widespread. Um, but uh, yes, do you think that there are also honest, honest leaders of some of these organizations that are really fighting corruption in their organizations or their churches who are really people of integrity? Yeah, we have people of integrity. Uh, there's some uh, bishops, like in Kenya, that uh, speak directly to to government. We have uh, pastors that do not condone corruption in their churches. Uh, we have Christian organizations that are a bit strict uh, when it comes to those issues. Uh, there is a very high scrutiny, um, but uh, those ones are fewer. <laughs> those that are corrupt, they are fewer. Yeah, but sometimes somebody would start up very well, but then when people see you have become too much in pointing out corruption, they, they, like governments always find a way of, uh, of uh, neutralizing you by either giving you some uh, form of, like we have a bishop who was given a, a position to head the anti-corruption, but since he was there, like I think it's three years, he has never said anything. You know, once you're put there, you are retired, you are paid a very big salary with allowances and all that. You cannot be able to say, the people who put you there are the corrupt people. So you may not be able to get the strength to fight them. So, and brave ones that are speaking out to uh, to government, like uh, I like the, the the Roman Catholic Church in Kenya has always pointed a lot of uh, things to government, what they are doing right, what they are doing wrong, uh, without fear of victimization. Most of the bishops uh, in Kenya for the Roman Catholic are speaking up. We had uh, the Anglican Church speaking up years ago, uh, but then I don't know what changed, and the Presbyterian Church, the very strong leaders, entities up to early 2000s. But then the new leaders that came in, I think uh, they are they are so-so. So you you don't hear them saying anything. Yeah. Yeah, on that issue, it's a complicated thing because sometimes the people who speak out about corruption being a problem are also corrupt themselves, as you pointed out. I won't share any specifics, but in my own um, story, uh, some of the people that would always speak out and preach about the problem of corruption uh, it turned out later that they were the the very ones who were corrupt. So I don't know. It's just how how do you know who to trust? How do you know who is honest? Because I don't believe everyone is corrupt. There's a lot of people that are really fighting corruption truly. Um, but how do you know who to trust? How do you know who is faithful? One one of the ways of knowing is having a close working relationship with a person or a group of people, then you will be able to know their practice. Uh, that would be easier because even in our country, I know uh, the people who speak uh, a lot about uh, corruption leaders, you'll end up finding that uh, they are doing that to point fingers in a different direction. So people do not look at their, their direction. But when uh, push comes to shove, they'll also are discovered to be very corrupt. That's what happens in our government. People who are corrupt on one point, uh, corruption, because ours is a political, politically tribal, tri politically tribal divided country. So one side A always points fingers at side B. Side B always points fingers at side side A. 
and trying to prove to people that this one is more corrupt than us. So I, I, I think when you work with people closely uh, and you build trust and and if you are you are good in observation, you'll be able to know who is corrupt and who is not corrupt. Because one of the ways uh, of uh, maybe that one will come later when you're talking about uh, what we can do. Uh, let me not say that one. That one I think will come in question nine where we talk about uh, what we can do as individuals to make change. Uh, but uh, I think a closer working with people over time, you'll be able to know whether they're proud or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I want to ask a cultural question, look at how culture relates to corruption. Um, we know that corruption is a problem in every society all over the world, all throughout history, but that mm-hmm. also there are some countries that have bigger problems of corruption than others. And we know that corruption is a big problem in East Africa Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Do you think that this is a a new thing, like that somehow Western influences on society have brought about some of these challenges or are there certain aspects of the traditional culture and tribalism, those kinds of things that are making corruption a big problem or is it both um, I'm just curious to know what you think about the cultural components of this. Sometimes I I, I look at it from I, I look at corruption from a family perspective. Uh, I have seen parents telling children, um, uh, "If you want me to buy chocolate, finish your vegetables." So, you know, that is corruption. You are trying uh, to bribe a child in order for him to eat his vegetables. You bribe them with what they like. And that is a chocolate. When these children grow up, we make them uh, give them stuff to do things. So they grow up knowing that for me to be able to do something to give an incentive. We need to motivate our children and people in places of work. But once you have this culture that for me to do something, I somebody needs to give me an incentive, this is what uh, grows corruption. Because when people get to government offices or service offices, uh, for you even to receive uh, a service from a particular person, uh, they it is expected that you need to give them something in exchange for the service. And the person who is giving the service, in their heart, they know that this man must give something for me to be able to receive. The culture has been developed from childhood, from home. And then when it comes to our interaction with the, with the world, remember I, I talked about um, uh, the World Bank and the IMF abetting corruption. They know that their money that is not being accounted for, but they continue giving millions of dollars to these same people. Uh, I, I think these people know that nothing will be done. Uh, so even if I steal this money, I'll still get more money. That is a, the cross-cultural kind of a, a corruption, how it is being growing. And from our African settings, there was also this issue of a uh, when somebody did something wrong, so that if you don't meet the, if you don't want to meet the full force of the court, you see the elderly and give them some, some bribe so they don't take you to the, uh, uh, to sorry, the Kaka, you, council you, of elders you, because there are things would be bad. And, and again, they have been corrupted in that particular way. Uh, you see people growing up, children knowing that. Uh, uh, the resources that the resources that we have uh, are not for everybody needs to look for uh, because even we train our children to go to school uh, so that they can get a lot of resources they can get a lot of resources uh, for themselves so we teach greed to our children instead of teaching them that even going to school is for your own good to open up your mind uh, for business and everything uh, but uh, them what they do is uh, everybody wants the best for their children. You want to get your child to a good school, you bribe. You want to get uh, anything. Your children know that you're bribing uh, to, to, to make ends meet, to make ends meet. So uh, I think something that is uh, endemic 
in our cultures. Sometimes when we copy things from other places, it also contributes to that. Yeah, thank you very much. There was a bit of a connection problem I had in there, but I think we, we still caught your point. Let me go on to the next question. Uh, all of these things that we're talking about are quite depressing, but can you give us any hope? Do you see any reason for hope? Do you see any positive changes that are happening either in the government or in the church or in organizations um, or in families? Yeah, if, if I start with a family, I think there are some parents who are teaching values to their children. They are really trying uh, to teach values to their children and their children who are catching because children learn by catching. Uh, and again, when we go uh, to the church, there are some churches that are teaching values. There are those churches that are corrupt. They are known but there are some churches that are doing well in teaching, in teaching congregations uh, the, uh, how they need to live their lives, how to be truthful, be accountable, how to live lives of integrity. Uh, and then when it comes to government, there will always be a remnant. There's always a remnant, but those people really suffer when they try to point out corruption. There are people who want things done the right way, even within government. There are those people who will not support corruption, and they'll always be mentioning them and bringing them to the public that so-and-so uh, -so, uh, in this department is corrupt. Uh, we have lost so much uh, billions of shillings in this kind of tenders and this project. There are those people who will be even within government and they will be pointing out that. And I think they still hope. There are people, and then we have uh, civil society nations uh, that are also taking it up upon themselves to point out. Uh, they really did a lot of work in the 80s and 90s, but now in this uh, late uh, 2000, from around 2010 onwards, some of those were compromised. They don't speak much. Only a few of them uh, are really pointing out corruption. So there's still a remnant within uh, the country, within the church, within the family that are actually upholding values. And uh, those ones need to, to continue. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's, that's hopeful. Uh, one of the the issues that uh, affects corruption, I think, is just a level of general honesty and speaking mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems that lying is quite common. I want to know what you make of that um, and how it relates to corruption. Um, in the U.S., uh, in Western culture, sometimes we talk about white lies, which are like lies that maybe are not so serious. You you lie to make someone feel good. Um, mm. what, some of those kinds of lies I've noticed are, are common, uh, at least in Uganda, for example. Um, someone asks you for money, and you have money, but you you don't think you can afford to give. Um, so you just say, I don't have any money. But really, you do have money, but you budgeted it for something else. So you, you kind of twist the truth because you don't want someone to feel bad or you someone invites you to something and you say yes i will come you know you can't come but you want them to feel good and then you just don't show up some of those kind of things do you think um that kind of that kind of culture relates to this corruption issue at all or is that kind of just a separate topic it's just something i want to understand more that i'm learning about yeah I think corruption is also part of lying because you are not uh, presenting issues the correct way. And, and I also think there's a, I, my observation that uh, the African culture and the Western culture, there's a difference. You know, the Western culture, if somebody wants to tell you something, whether it is good or bad, they will tell it on your face. But in Africa, you have... Uh, 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 the issue of, uh, say, somebody told me it's called uh, uh, silence and shame, where, where you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to accept uh, to tell somebody the truth because you don't want to look bad. For example, if you invite me to a function and I don't want to come, and I don't want to tell you I'm not coming, so I tell you I will see, organize myself and see, uh, took some time to come. So I give you false hope. But I know deep inside I'm not coming, but I don't want to tell you I'm not coming. 
so that on that particular day when you call me say oh i told you i will organize myself uh, it's only that uh, i've tried but uh, get some time uh, and again you don't want to feel embarrassed telling somebody that i don't want to give you this money yeah uh, because you don't want to look bad and i've seen that even when some people are looking for jobs somebody knows there is no job but says wait we'll see what i can do for you uh, just leave your papers here i will get back to you and they will never call you they know there is no job but they can't tell you and i think it's a difference in cultures i've seen um, i remember one time i i was uh, i was the middle east and um, i got lost in some street then i walked up to some guys because the arabs can't speak english so i walked up to a white man and asked him uh, i needed some help i need to to be able to go to this particular place uh, he didn't tell me he knows the place he took me to to a, a railway station and he got me a map told me use this map you not get lost again so you don't have to ask for direction but if it's an african they don't know the direction they will tell you uh, i'm not very sure just go down the road you'll find some other people in that corner ask them there he doesn't want to say i, I don't know yeah so i i think it's a uh, where we 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 have the, those differences but people lie mostly to get away from trouble uh because i know it is easier to lie to get away from trouble and again we have not created an environment where people can speak honestly uh because you'll be judged uh, you will be punished so even children they will always lie because they know you are not going to you are you're not going to take it very well when they tell you the truth so they they will lie because it is the easier way out but when an environment is created where people can be able to speak truthfully uh, without being judged uh, no matter how hard the issue like for example there's a story that is told about uh, a girl uh, who failed her exams but now she she couldn't face the parents so what did she do she wrote a note and told the parents that um, and she has hiv and aids and all that and then they said i know uh, you you will be very unhappy with this and all that and then when the parent says no 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 you are our child we can be able to talk. then they said which is which is then she told the parents when they said we can talk uh, they called and they said no you can come home we can talk uh, you know everybody makes mistakes then she told them actually i wanted to show you there is a worse thing i said i'm not hiv positive i'm not pregnant but i failed my exam <laughs> so sometimes people lie to get out of situations but then we need to create an environment where people can be honest where i call it safe a safe space where people can be able uh, to speak out uh, even when uh, things are not very good and they know they will still be loved accommodated uh, and uh, things will be sorted yeah, so if if we want to create a church a family a church a society where people are speaking the truth and are not lying whether it's the those small lies to not disappoint people or whether it's the big lies of corruption what uh, what are you doing as a pastor what is your church doing what are you doing um what are other pastors doing to create a a more truth telling culture um to fight corruption and to fight these lies i think um, i will talk about myself uh because I, I don't um, move around churches a lot um so the nature of the work i do but uh, what i have done in my family i have created i call a safe space for my children to speak to me openly about their wrong like uh, my my elder daughter is uh, 17 now uh, when she was around uh, 10 11 because i had created that she would even call when she found something wrong she would even tell me before i get home so that she used to say i want you to process the information before you get home uh, so that i don't have to, to shock you when you come yeah so my children speak to me openly even sometimes when they think i'm out of order they will ask me dad you are the one who has taught us can we talk yeah we sit down we talk if i am wrong i apologize if they are wrong they apologize uh, that on and in church even in my household our church members to be truthful especially when it comes to issues of uh, of of uh, uh, let's say sin uh, for example i work with the the youth a lot 
some of them come to me and tell me I am pregnant. Uh, I've done. I slept in a men's house and I'm feeling guilty. You know. You know. Once you create the environment, they'll come and they'll come to you and speak. But when they know you are very harsh, when a young person knows that uh, if a pastor does this about me, uh, he will throw me out uh, of the of the choir. He will throw me out of service and all that. Uh, I've told them speak the truth. Is a process of uh, handling issues of sin and all that. Some of them come, some of them don't. Uh, but one thing I, I've always said that I need to be consistent uh, when it comes to some of those issues. For example, uh, to be truthful, for example, I do my, where I work monthly uh, requisition or then at the end of the month I have to do an expense report. Uh, you know, nobody follows me everywhere I go. But one thing I've agreed even in my family that if you have money, it's not yours. Eat it. You cannot use it. Use it for only the purposes that it is. And if any money remains, please return. I do that in church. I don't ask for money I don't need. For example, if I'm going to visit somebody in a hospital, actually, I rarely even ask for money. I use my own money. I fuel my car, go visit a family and all that. If the church wants to give me some fuel for the car, fine. But you know, some people will always find a way of getting that money out by using lies and all those kind of things. So it is us who create the environment for lies. And I think even the government, uh, they even have governments in the whole world, they're called the government spokesman or spokesperson. Um, these people, some of them are truthful, some of them lie for the government because they know the wrongs that have been done, but to save face, they create lies. Because lying is a system. Uh, the Bible says uh, like uh, that uh, lying people who lie are like their father, the devil. So the devil, the system of the world, is not a system that wants honesty. It's not a system that wants truthfulness. It's not a system that wants accountability. It's a system that wants to go around the truth to be able to, uh, they normally say the end justifies the means. But as Christians, we must create an environment that is safe for people to use. We must, we ourselves start by showing the example of speaking the truth and doing the right thing. And the rest of the people, whether it's your children, the church members, or those people you work with in the office, in the government, they will also follow swift. And it begins from the top. My thoughts. Yeah, uh, let me pick up something you said earlier. You You mentioned how people are afraid to report corruption that they know about because they don't want to lose their job or um, some other privileges, or they don't want to be uh, shamed in the community that they were the one who reported someone. Um, how, how can you encourage people? Uh, there must be people who will be listening to this podcast who are in that situation. They work in an organization or they work in a church where there's corruption happening and they know about it, but they're afraid to speak up. What would you say to such a person? Um, it's quite tough. Like, for example, in governments, like, like in our government, they have something they call a, a witness protection. And the people are supposed to protect the, the person who has uh, given out some information are the same people who are corrupt. For example, so at the end of the day, uh, they will share your identity with the people who are being spoken about. And at the end of the day, most of the people who speak up, they are called whistleblowers. Most of the time, those people end up uh, dead in a few uh, mysteriously after they have uh, whistleblown about some uh, area of corruption. But uh, what I would like to say, even in church, when you whistleblow, Definitely enemy of the system. Uh, and uh, if you're a pastor, they will find a way of throwing you out. If you, are, uh, if you are serving within the church as an employee, they'll find a way of replacing you. Uh, they'll find some technical ways of removing you. But one thing I always say, which has helped me over the years, sometimes it is good to lose a job, but keep your integrity and character clean. I encourage people. Sometimes you should be ready uh, for the eventualities of speaking the truth. Because at the end of it, or you die, the truth has been known. 
there's a God in heaven who will always vindicate you. The systems of the world will look at you as an enemy, but God in heaven will look at you in a different way. And I always encourage people to speak up because I do myself, I will always speak up if I, if I sense there's a, something that is not being done right. Even within the office where I work, sometimes I speak to my colleagues about some things I think that are not it. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that's, that's the way to go. Because sometimes you will speak up, things will change, things become better. Sometimes these things can get worse. But I think it is for your own conscience to speak up, to speak the truth without the of intimidation. Because in the, in the intimidation will, will always come. Even those people who promise you that just speak up and nothing will happen, they're the same people who will victimize you quietly. So sometimes it's a, it's, you, you just swallow the bitter pill and just speak up and wait for the eventualities. That's what I would encourage somebody to do. Yeah, thank you very much. That is helpful. Let me, another another challenging question is that we may have people listening to the podcast who are involved in the corruption themselves. Uh, maybe they never intended to, but they were pushed by other people to start making compromises or they had family that was pressuring them. You need to give us some help through your, your, your job. Uh, maybe it's even, they're not even using the money for selfish reasons, but they're they're lying to donors to use money for other good and important things, but still, still lying to the donors or to the church. If if someone's listening who's currently caught up in those things, what, what, how would you encourage them, or what would you say to them? Uh, just go back to what I said. Uh, being truthful and honest starts with individuals. Uh, you can decide to turn a new leaf and say, uh, let's forget about the past and strive for better things in the future, uh, where you decide that now the truth. Because everything has to have a beginning and an end. And if it is corruption, it has to have an end and you have a new beginning. So if you want to be truthful, it is something that you just purpose within your heart that you're going to be truthful, uh, that going forward, I am going to do the right thing. Because, you know, if, if you ask for money to buy bread and then you buy milk, both milk and bread are good. But the person you got the money from knows that you bought bread. When they discover you bought milk, then they will say, you're, you're lying. You'd rather say, I want to buy a loaf of bread and a packet of milk. So that the person says, I can only afford bread. Just take this money for bread and then find money for milk somewhere else. So I think that is... Uh, one of the, the ways uh, that we can be truthful by starting. You need to be prayed for. There are some things you don't need to be, it's not a spirit that you need to exercise. It is something that you purpose within your heart that I'm going to be truthful and I'm going to start doing things right. My thoughts. Yeah, thank you very much. I think we're coming now to the end. I just want to give you a chance to say anything else on your mind about this topic that we may maybe we missed. Um, and yeah, you can just uh, give some closing remarks on the topic to encourage people who are listening how to fight corruption, how to make change. Um, yeah, so just uh, any closing thoughts that you have that we didn't manage to cover yet in the other questions. Okay, um, because uh, as we began earlier, you said there's an, an African audience. For the Africans, one of the things uh, I would like to uh, encourage is that we need to start speaking to power. If we don't speak to power, we give them the, the, man, we give them the power to become corrupt and to do as they wish whether it is in the church, whether it is in government, wherever we are, whether it is in our families, sometimes we even fear our parents, we don't want to speak to them. Uh, we need to find ways of speaking to them respectfully and showing them areas that we need to change and, um, and become more accountable, more truthful, more honest, and uh, things that we need to avoid. Uh, when it comes to my, uh, my Western audience, uh, there's one thing I would really would like to encourage. Is like because in the Western culture, you build relationships on trust. 
uh, you assume that any person you are relating with is has the same DNA with what you have. Uh, you, you world, I like the way you trust people, but you must always check the level of trust because the intentions of your heart may be correct, but the intentions of the person you are relating with may not be correct. Some of them they may want to use uh, your, your 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 way of doing things. Uh, to mismanage what you have given them because you, you trust them. And the way people talk nicely, and not always assume that anybody who says they are Christians that are very honest. Sometimes uh, because of the poverty uh, that uh, especially Africans we have grown in, uh, sometimes when you get an opportunity to get some extra bucks, we will always uh, be dishonest to get that extra money. Uh, and we always want to look at um, uh, issues uh, in such a way that uh, these people have a lot of money. Even if I lie, they, even if I spend a bit of the money they give me for other things, I, uh, they will not know. But I think if you are giving money to some uh, African organizations or people who are working within Africa, uh, please uh, take some time and get to know them better. And uh, please check uh, where uh, what you're voting is actually being done. Uh, not just wait for reports, because reports can be fabricated. So what I would, I would, I would say is also have a hand-on uh, kind of supervision. Uh, once in a while, you can even, uh, in an impromptu way, just come down and see the work that's happening. So for you to be able to know whether people are honest or whether people are corrupt. I think that's what I would like to say for now. Thank, Thank you. you very much. I, this has been helpful, been interesting. Mm. And uh, just say God bless you as you continue to speak the truth and encourage others in your church and community to speak the truth. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, thank you for this this interview. It's been good. Thank you, too, for, Allah, for inviting me to this day. God bless you.